If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. On today's episode of this podcast, I'm speaking with Tash. Tash lives in Melbourne with her gorgeous son, Theodore, who has just recently turned one. Welcome to the podcast, Tash. I would love to start by understanding what led you to make the decision to become a solo mum by choice. What's your backstory? Oh, um, it was sort of a funny decision because I always said when I was younger, I want to have a baby, but I don't mm-hmm. remember ever remember saying I want to be married. And so I okay. never really, yeah, I never really put together marriage baby it was never a thing for me it was always just I was going to have a baby Mm -hmm. and I think after my marriage broke down and then my last two relationships didn't work out and I'd already started the IVF process with an ex and everything was ready to go I was like well what am I waiting for I'm just going to get some donor sperm and just do this and because of COVID it sort of took a bit longer because I um, started in 2020 2021 yeah 2021 so it took a bit longer but yeah I think I just got to the point where I had enough my relationships hadn't worked out I had enough of just waiting for someone to be there to do it with me and I was like I'll just do it on my own so maybe I was a bit blase you know just going let's just do this and I'll worry about everything else later so you were married did you try for a baby with your no we didn't try we didn't try um we, we were together for about 10 years, That's what, 13 in total, So, and we didn't try. So, um, yeah, we just never tried. I wanted to, but we just, there's never a right time. It's always that right time, you know, once we have a house or once we, you know, make this money or once we, you know, you feel emotionally ready and you just keep putting it off and putting it off and then you're, you know, you're married and you're 33 and you're going, oh. You know, I was going to say, you must be quite young to have been through all of that. <laughs> no, we started dating when I was 18. So it, it, um, I'd been with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I had a female partner and, and we, you know, we discussed it, but she was younger and she, you know, wanted to do other things and that was cool. And I still speak to her and we're great friends and I love her to death, but we just were going different paths. Mm-hmm. And then I had a male partner for a while and we just didn't work out. And then I was like, you know what, I, I'm I'm 30, I was 37. Yeah, I was 37. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to keep waiting. I don't want to get on 
you know, Tinder and try and find a dad. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. And I just went for it. Didn't, yeah, think about it anymore. But you said that you'd done or attempted IVF with a previous partner? We we went to, we just went to, had a checkup and all that kind of stuff. And I was going, we were going to go through IVF, um, but we ended up not not going through it. So I'd already seen the specialist and okay. had all the tests and stuff. So I was ready to go because I had, I had tried previously with another partner and with no luck for a year. So after a year, they, you know, they do all those tests and that kind of stuff. And, you know, geriatric as we are, at, you know, <laughs> over 35. So, so you knew going into it what your egg reserves and that sort of thing was like? Yeah, I checked all that. I had all that. I can't remember the figures. But, yeah, I knew that I had plenty of eggs, but the quality we weren't sure of, obviously, because I was older and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, did you go back to the same specialist when you decided to go on your own? Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Because he'd already had um, the same, all my information, he had everything. So I was like, you know, and when I came in and I said, look, I'm now single and I want to do money, he's like, okay, then sure, we'll go that path. It was no hesitation from him it was no you know questions you do the normal counseling through the clinic and all that kind of stuff which was good and I had my own psychiatrist that I you know talked to and discussed with so I I I felt I understand understood the decision I'd made yeah and what did you go through when you originally decided to go with that fertility clinic what were you looking for um, just a friend recommended him so I was just like okay they they had results so I was like okay we'll just try them and it Worked out well. Yeah. Yeah, worked out well for me. So you went through the counselling and then you got access to the sperm. Yep. How was that choosing who your donor was going to be? Um, there wasn't many options. I know people have had to wait to get the the um, list and I didn't have to wait. They just sent it to me. But there wasn't many options. But the first one I read was absolutely perfect and I was like, oh, that can't be good. <laughs> That's weird, you know, because for me it was a very simple like Health was first or foremost. Then it was basically what they wrote in their um, profile and what he wrote was like, you know, all great stuff, how much he loved his family and that he was happy to meet the child, which was important for me. That was an important thing that I wanted for Teddy um, or Theodore. We call, his Teddy, we call him Teddy, but it's Theodore is his formal, his yeah. formal name. That was important for my child. So I was like quite happy to go with him and I it was my first choice and I got him. So... Fantastic. Yeah. And then good. did you have to go through much to get pregnant? I had two rounds. The first round I got two embryos, but I think I don't want to, it's not medically proven, but they had stopped all IVF surgery that week. Oh, lockdown. So, right. Yeah. Yep. From so what happened was we started my shots knowing that I would probably just make it in. So they stopped the surgeries on the like the Friday and I had my egg collection on the Monday. So when I went in, there was me. Another woman getting a collection and a child. That was it in the day surgery. There was no one. Wow, that was empty. So weird. Yeah, it was really weird. Um, so I went in, had the egg collection, and then I was just feeling so anxious and stressed about everything that I decided to freeze both the embryos and not have them put in straight away. So I waited a few months and had them them had one put had one put in and the next, and it didn't work. Neither of them worked. And I I kind of don't know if it was the stress of COVID, the stress of being locked down. Or, jobs or you know that it didn't work but it, it, you can't who knows yeah. and then I waited a bit longer and I think so it must have been March 2022 no 2021 I was like okay I'll do another round did that got two embryos put a fresh and one you had in. the same donor again yep same donor because I bought two straws at the time 
All right. Yeah. Just in case. Um, and I had the, I went to put the embryo in and um, they I went to go, go to the clinic, you know, all the checks. And they're like, oh, we've got a trainee with us today. Do you mind if she comes in? I'm like, yeah, sure, not a problem. So we're in there and there's, so there's the, the genie, is it the, not the, geneal, the genealogist, not the genealogist, the embryologist. Embryologist, sorry, too many. <laughs> embryologist, the trainee, um, the doctor, and the nurse. There's four people. And I'm like, all right. So there are legs in the air. <laughs> Everyone's in. in my bits by now. Whatever. <laughs> yep. So yep. they're putting it in. And I'm watching, and she's like, oh, the end of the tubes come off or something, something like that. And I'm like, oh, she's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it happens sometimes. Um, it's really rare, but it's a really good sign. It means that they're sticky. It's a really sticky yeah. embryo. Um, I was like, oh. And what was funny, though, was the four of them were all standing down there. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm just lying there. And I said, this is going to work and it's going to be a boy. And everyone just looked at me. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. And then I went home and I'm like, this is going to work. I just had a feeling. Yeah, I just knew it was going to work. And then, um, you know, I tested, I think, early. I tested early because uh, I went to the trigger was out of my system and I tested and it came positive. And I rang my mum and I said, I think I'm pregnant. She goes, really? Okay, yeah. Testing another positive. I'm like, yeah, this is this is real. Then I waited and, you know, they did the blood test. So I went, <laughs> went straight to the Epworth so the blood would be that quick, you know, <laughs> to get to them. And um the nurse rang me that afternoon. She said, guess what? I said, I'm pregnant. She goes, yep. I'm like, I thought so. So I was like, yep. Knew, just knew. So, And then your mind, you knew it was a boy as well. Yeah. I don't know why I knew it was a boy. So I'm, at the start, my mom was like, he, she. And I'm like, no, it's a boy. It's a boy. And of course I did the nip test. And um, and then my first nip test didn't work. Because apparently if they do it too early, it doesn't work sometimes. Even though I waited the whatever weeks it was, 12 or 13 weeks, didn't work. Mm. Excuse me, so I did it again. I'm like, oh, so frustrating, waiting, waiting. Just tell me I'm having a boy because I already know that. Yeah, and I go, you already know what you're having? I go, I'm having a boy. She goes, yeah, having a little boy. I'm like, yep, I knew. <laughs> I knew I was having a boy. And, yeah, then we just had to wait till we cooked. It was just I had a, what they call an uncomplicated pregnancy. Oh, how lucky for you. An uncomplicated pregnancy. So I vomited almost every day. I didn't have HG. I was just vomited every day. Then I just went into the Epworth, had the cesarean. They said, oh, this week, of this week of January, what date would you like? And I said, well, Australia Day is the 26th, so let's let's do it on a Saturday so no one has to miss work. <laughs> so 29th of January 2022, he was born at 8.33 a.m. 8.33 a.m. You yeah. still remember. Yeah, because they said get, in, get there at 8. You'll probably go in about 8.30, like you'll be in the operating room at 8.30 and then yeah, it was pretty fast. I couldn't believe it, um, how fast it was. So, yeah. And we ended up with little Theodore. Is there anything behind yeah. his name or is it just something you'd always like? No, I had chosen a name and I'd chosen Ezra and I was set on Ezra. He was going to be Ezra. It was done and I hadn't told anyone. Yeah. And then 18 months beforehand, my best friend had a baby boy and she named him Ezra and she didn't know, had no idea. She had no stole idea. And I was like, oh my God, you stole my baby name. And we just laughed. Couldn't, what are the chances? And then uh, she's like, you can it's still like that. It's not like it's Oliver or Jack. Yeah, no. She's like, you can before. still name him Ezra. And I'm like, nah, it's, well, it's not going to work. And she was at the birth. Um, so I was like, nah, it's not going to work. And so I just went through all these names. I had Dylan on the list. I had I had um, Addison. I had lots of different strange names. And then I just, I really liked Theodore because I liked Teddy. 
as a nickname. And then I also liked that he could go when he's older, he can go Theo, he can go Ted, he can go Teddy, he can go Theodore. It's totally up to him. So he can have whatever he wants. So I liked that. that he's got a cute nickname as well. So I call him Teddy Bear. Aww, Sometimes I call him Bear. But, yeah, that's how we got Theodore. And so Teddy has just turned one. How was the yeah. first year? Is it what you thought? I think you can't explain to people how hard it is. And everyone's like, oh, it must be so hard being a single mum. And I always say to them, yeah, it's hard, but I don't know what it's like to have a partner. So I don't know how hard it is. I think it would be a lot harder if I had a partner and then they left or something happened. I think that would mm. be hard. This is just hard in general. Like I think, and also just doubting myself, like there's no one to bounce off, you know, like when, you, when you're stuck, when you're just not sure. Like my parents are the best support and I couldn't have done it without them. Well, no, you say you say that, but I could have done it without them, but I couldn't have done it as well as I did without them. I bet you could have, but yeah. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I think the big thing is um, a lot of people just, and, and you would understand this, and a lot of single moms get it, that you don't want to ask for help. You want to say you want to be this superwoman and you want to do it all and you want to do it perfectly and your kid to be come out perfect and, you know, sleep through the night and take their their breastfeeding and, you know, to, you know, but it's not always peaches and cream. And I need to start, I haven't done it yet, but I need to, like you, build a village and have that support, you know. Um, I feel like, you know, we, in general, single mothers or not, they're all like, you know, you you, you can do this, you're a woman, you're made to do this. And then when something happens and we burn out, they're like, why didn't you ask for help? And you're like, well, you told us not to ask for help. You said to do it, just get on with it. So it's a catch-22. You want us to ask for help, but you don't want us to ask for help. Like, Very, very common in pretty much everyone that I've interviewed mm-hmm. is just really struggling asking for help because you're just so used to being so strong and independent and never doing it. Yeah. Like for the first month, I wouldn't let anyone change his nappy because I was like, that's my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom's like, how about this? I'm like, all right. She's like, if you ask me to change a nappy and I don't want to do it, I will say no. And then you don't have to feel guilty about asking about it, okay? And I'm like, all right. Because I just didn't I didn't want to put that on my, it's like, you know, it's not my mum's job. She's had her babies, you yeah. know? So it's, yeah, it was just strange that we had to have that conversation. And your mum's probably sitting there going, I just want to do something to help. Let me change yeah. a bloody nappy. Something. So she's, she stayed with me for the first month and she slept beside me in the bed. <laughs> towards the end I'm like you need to go she's like why I'm like because I'm like because your boobs are useless <laughs> you can't wake up and breastfeed him <laughs> so yeah so you were living by yourself when you had him yeah I was living by myself um and it was hard on my own like <laughs> it's bloody long nights and just lo- you get a bit lonely I think as well I think that you know everyone wants to say it's you know the most magical time and I think also a lot of people it, don't want to admit that when their babies come out, they were all like, oh, my God, I'm so in love. But for me it was like, oh, okay, he's here. And I remember lying in the hospital looking at him and going, oh, okay, he's out, he's beautiful, he's perfect, you know, he's fine. And I loved him, but I didn't feel a connection to him. I had to have that grow. I didn't have this, you know, instant, you know, connection, which I think a lot of mothers are scared to say they don't have. Mm. You know, I think, you know, we're, we're scared to say that they didn't just instantly fall in love with their baby. I mean, it took me a while and, of course, I loved him and I worried about him and I cared about him, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, where is he? And But it took me a while to just really connect with him and now he's, like, my everything. And, of course, you know, I love him to death and everyone drives me crazy. But I think there's some others need to know out there. There's not an, It's not always an instant connection. 
and it's you know it's that's fine that's okay there's nothing wrong with you you know you know talk to people you know it took me a couple of weeks maybe a month and then I was like yep okay I um I'm feeling it now you know I don't know if that's having a cesarean and all my hormones not coming in straight away I don't know you know maybe um, but yeah he's... I think there's also Hollywood movies have a lot to answer for when it comes to how we're meant to be as new mothers as well yeah so you know, we're meant to feel. Every mother feels different. Some mothers do have that instant connection. I I didn't, and I was scared by it. Um, and then I respect other people, and they were like, "No, I didn't." It's an instant connection too. And my best, one of my other friends said to me, um, "You know what? Everyone says being a mother is the most magical thing." She goes, "But being a mother is great, and it's also not great. There's, you know, there's horrible parts of it that you hate. But it's like a, it's like any job. There's parts of it that you hate. There's parts of it that you love. But and the, the good outweighs the bad." over overall amazingly easily but you know there's still shit parts when he's sick and it can take a little while to get to that yeah for me it did and yeah I love him to death but it was scary the first few weeks because I was like what am I doing I don't know what I'm doing I love him but it's just so strange and scary I don't want to break him and you know did you have any sort of support network to help you through yeah I had the the um, maternal health nurse in my area I'd sent out a, a lady for mental health to check on me and the and Ted okay and um gave me you know said to do this and breathing and that and I had my psychiatrist who I saw regularly um because I did zoom calls with her so I think all that having because knowing my own mental health was always I always had mental health issues beforehand but knowing that was um you know, important. And also I think because my whole pregnancy, my mental health was fantastic. So the hormones must have just kicked in and I had no mental health issues the whole of my pregnancy. So we knew there was going to be a huge dip. We knew there was going to be a huge dip in my um hormones, which yeah, happened, you know, and then I would, you know, feel so you're quite conscious of it. So you could like set yourself up for success before it happened. Yeah, yeah. So for me, there was about a week afterwards, I couldn't stop crying. Everything would make me cry. You know, my car wouldn't start and I would just, you know, sobbing in the car, you know, she wouldn't sleep and I would sob, you know, I was tired and I would cry. And everyone's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel that that us uh, strong, independent women, once we are become mums or we do get pretty soft compared with what we were before. (laughs) The amount of times I cry in ads and oh my god stuff on tv like i remember my friend telling me she can't watch the news anymore and now i understand why yeah i don't watch the news no 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 any story that's got anything to do with children or anything apparently there's an ivf tv show at the moment i'm like yeah i'm not watching that that. i'm not watching that because i would just cry my eyes out but then i also cry when i'm like really happy for them when they get the good results like i cried survivor the other day i mean come on yeah or someone you know proposes and i cry and i'm like yeah "Yeah, yep always always no but I think the important thing for all women is is to reach out there's so many there's like the maternal health nurse there's there's no there's other phone lines you can call there's so many options and they really are helpful but also just reach out to your friends and say I feel this way and they'll say yes I feel I felt this way too because I think you think when I watch my best friend with her kids I was like oh she's she's perfect she's magical she's just doing such a great job but she's like no I felt that too or I felt stressed over this too or you know you're only just, seeing her for two hours when you see her you don't see what happens yeah. at three o'clock in the morning when they're not sleeping yeah and you know you just you think everyone's superwoman but you just superwomen, but you don't see them you know everyone's everyone has their struggles 
And I think that's important to know that while we're single single mums and it's hard, we have the normal struggles of every any other mum, single or not. And so now you are living with your parents? When did yeah, I live change? with my parents at the moment. So it's, it's really helpful with Teddy and I, so built-in babysitters. <laughs> mm. And they help out a lot, which is really great. Um, it's amazing. It's awesome having them. So just gave mum the baby monitor and she's listening in for him, so it helps. And just sometimes like some mornings when I was just got no sleep, I would get an extra hour sleep, which really helps you some days when you need that extra hour. Was that always the plan or was there something that made you decide to change living by yourself to move to that? No, but well, yes and no. I think it. I just needed more help. It, just balancing everything, it was just, it was just really hard. And I just like having my parents around for him. He just loves his grandfather and his and my his grandmother so much. And he gets gets, you know, three parents, you know, three role models. And so I'm sure it would have been quite a hard decision to make at the time though, given how independent you uh, are. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. It's for him. And you know, as you know, for your kids, you'll do anything. So for him I'll do that. Yeah. And you've just started back at work. How is that going? Oh, it's hard. It's hard. Um, shift work is hard, but I, I really enjoyed my job and Teddy's going to daycare three days a week and he loves it. Like we get there and I open the car door and take him out and he knows where he is and he starts getting excited. He loves it. He loves the educators. So it's been great for him. So, yeah, he did get all the horrible winter illness, which really sucked. Yeah. But I'm hoping that that means that he'll be better for the next winter. We can hope. But yeah loves it and have you thought any more about maybe you'll expand the family in the future or are you one and done I'm pretty much one and done I think um I've still got an embryo and I'm still paying for it um because I always wanted a second Mm -hmm. and it wasn't really a boy or girl thing for me it was more I just wanted to to, I always said I was going to have one or one I always just said before and I was going to have one or two kids I never was really you know fixated on more than that just for me um so I've got that embryo, but I, I feel like it's hard. Life is expensive. Kids are expensive. And I think a lot of women will say the same is, you know, I want to give my child all my time and I want to give them not all my money, but I want to give them what they want without spoiling them for me. So I want them to be able to go, you know, yeah. <laughs> to go to, you know, karate or, you know, footy or whatever he wants, dance classes. And I don't want to always have to, you know, have to stress that I can't send to that or ask for you know, help by anyone to pay for those things. So, yeah, that, that's that's probably why I'll be, well, maybe if I met someone, but as a lot of us single mothers would say, that person would have to fall from the sky because I don't I don't go out, I don't date, I don't, at the moment I'm working from home a lot of the time, so it's, I don't know where I'd meet this magical person, you know. I figure it's school maybe, so like a few years away. Maybe, but and also I think a lot of people will say single mums, all my time goes to Teddy and I don't want to, at my time outside of work and when he's not sleep and when he's not sleeping, it's for him. You know, I don't really want to go anywhere else or be anywhere else. So I think my biggest thing is if I get a babysitter, I want to know that I'm going to have a really good time. <laughs> so I'd rather go out with like good girlfriends and have a proper full conversation rather than, you know half a sentence which you get with a toddler round rather than going on some date that could be a dud yeah and even if it's a nice date I'm always gonna be like worrying about Ted and also I you know I think a lot of people would say that babysitters no babies are expensive which is you know their job that um not problem with paying them what they're worth but it's also 
you know, I don't want to put that on my parents so much. Like I went to the movie, I left Ted with them and I went to the movies for the first time in two years. Yeah. And I was like, I went to the movies. I saw a movie. I had popcorn. I sat in a seat on my own. And I went to the movies and these women looked at me. I'm like, I haven't been to the movies in two years. I must have thought I was crazy. <laughs> but I hadn't just going to the movies and sitting for two hours in silence. It was bliss. It was bliss. And that's enough for me at the moment just to go out to the movies or go out to dinner on my own. That's enough. I take occasional annual leave days when she's at daycare and do things like that. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, just bliss. And then you don't have to pay the babysitter because you're already at daycare. Yeah, this is true. Mm. This is true. So I said to mum, actually, I think one once a month I want to go to the movies. So I think I'll check what $11 movie is on and just go see a random movie, go eat popcorn and just sit on my it own. It matters what, what's on, <laughs> it's just a timeout. Well, if I'm old, I'll fall asleep in the movie. <laughs> All right. As long as you go to one of the cinemas with a recliner, you'll be fine. That's right. This is true. And so have you thought anything about what you'll do in terms of the donor and making contact or anything like that? I have, and I kept meaning to write to the donor. I've been so slack. Um, I'm sort of going to put it in Ted's hands. And I, I did think um, if the donor wanted to meet up early, maybe I would consider that. Um I can't remember all the rules in Victoria, but if the donor did want to meet up early and agree to it, we could if he wanted to. Um, I think it's I, very much dictated by the families and they, like he can say he's open to it and if you ask, then he could reciprocate, but I don't think he can ask. Yeah, um, and I haven't done, I haven't reached out yet. I kept meaning to. Um, but, yeah, I sort of just maybe when Teddy's older and he can understand more because, of course, like most single mothers by choice, he know he's I've got all the books. Um, he knows where where his, his knows where he's come from, you know. Have so you thought about donor siblings. Um, I do know he has some donor siblings. I don't know. I know that I just when I rang up last time, I said yes, there are donor siblings. Um, I didn't go further than that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just sort of leave it again, leave it in Ted's hands. Whatever he wants to do, if he wants to meet them earlier. You know, when he's old enough, if he wants to, I can. I'm happy to reach out and see if anyone then want to meet. Um, but yeah, it's it's. You know, Victoria is a small state. I always wonder if I <laughs> bumped into them or if in our group, because in a single mothers group, if one of them is a, you know, if someone's used the same donor, I always wonder that. Um, I do know of a couple of people who have found through that that they are, um, donor siblings. Donor siblings, and I'm conscious of that as well because Victoria is not that not that big. And yeah, quite a lot of solo mum by choice, like meetups and that sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, at some point, <laughs> am I going to yeah. find a sibling that I didn't know about? <laughs> well, I had a friend who who used a donor as well, and she said, "Oh, my donor's occupation is this." I go, "Oh, my donor's occupation is this." She goes, Phew. "She goes, imagine if we had the same donor. <laughs> it was so weird, you know." Um, well, I interviewed yeah. um, an anonymous donor, which will be in another episode, and it's like, imagine if he was my donor. That would be weird. Yeah, I was interviewed by someone else yesterday, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm actually a donor." And I'm like, hmm, what do you look like? I wonder if it's <laughs> like it's just such a weird concept. That's the other thing, isn't it? What do you look like? Because I, I, when I say to people, you know, I was worried what he was going to come out looking like. They're like, I don't understand. I'm like, well, I don't. I didn't even have baby photos at the time when I. I didn't get them till after Ted was born. Oh, you have so, some now. Yeah, I have some now of the donor, but I didn't have them beforehand. It went on, they, must have been, they must have been added later. I don't know. I didn't ask. Um, I think so every you, clinic's different, isn't it? What yeah. clinic did you go through? Um, City Fertility. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so they're the same. I had Dr. Wilkinson. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, we could have the same day. What was crazy. Um, crazy. But he said, I was like, what's he going to, what's he going to look like? And then he's come out. My parents call him baby Natasha because they reckon that he's a spitting image of me as a baby. And even now it's so, that's, that's funny because it looks exactly like me. So definitely my child. <laughs> okay. I thought my daughter looked exactly like my dad. And then I got the donor photos later as well. And I was like, oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it was interesting once he gets older, what he gets from the, the, the donor. So I've got very curly hair, you can't tell. And he's got, Ted's got straight hair. It's got a bit of a wave in it now, but I don't think it's going to be curly. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, he didn't get the curly hair. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what he gets from the donor. And so when you look back now, is there anything that you wish you'd done differently or any advice that you would give anyone who's considering this journey? Uh, I think the, the biggest one that we all say probably is I wish I'd done it sooner. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I was 39 when I had Ted. So I got pregnant at 38 and had him at 39. Yeah. Now I'm 40 with a one-year-old. Um, I mean, I'm a lot mature now and I think more stable in my life. So that's great. But you know, I wish I had him earlier. I wish I wasn't an older mother, but that's something you can't change. And it, it wouldn't be him if I was a younger mother and that kind of stuff. Um, I do I do think I think it's important that you would probably agree with this for younger women is if you even think you want to go through this, freeze your eggs, freeze your eggs. Because I went to a seminar at I think at 33 about freezing eggs and I was like, no, I'll find someone and didn't do it. And I was like, why didn't I do it? You I, was know? Meeting, I was going to meet someone too. Mm, yeah. Well. I was like, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I freeze my eggs? Because, you know, my friend, she had IVF at 30 and she came out with so many eggs and so many embryos, whereas I came out two, with two each time, which is still fantastic. But when you when you compare it to other people, you get scared because you're like, oh, my God, I only got two. But two is fantastic, mm. you know, and you, you only need one good embryo, you know. So that's the whole thing. You only need one. Um, so many people that are evidence of that. So. Yeah, I think that's the only thing I would probably do different. And I think I saved as much as I could. Luckily for me, well, COVID was actually a blessing for me in the sense that I could work from home because um, I was really sick. Not, not, I could probably go to work, but I kept, I vomited once a day, but I could work from home. So I worked and saved everything. So I had a buffer for um, as I went private and just I had rent paid for a year and all that kind of stuff. That was really helpful. Um especially as unfortunately we've been hit with this cost of living, everything's yeah. gone up. And so a lot of women are going back to work earlier because they have to. So, you know, and people are like, how much should you save for your first baby? And someone said, how long is a piece of string? Mm. You know, and I didn't do anything, like get anything fancy, like all his clothes, 90% of his clothes are secondhand, all his furniture is secondhand. I didn't, you know, his toys are all secondhand. He doesn't need all the fancy things, but just life is expensive, you know. Sometimes you just don't want to, you just don't want to cook it. And you're just like, I'm just going to order takeout. And that adds up. <laughs> or just doctor's visits. And, you know, because he was quite small and he still is. He's he's only, he's not even 10 kilos yet. Oh, really? He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's tiny. He was so funny. We were at a place the other day and it was a one year old kid sitting next to him. And he, the dad said he was born on the 26th of January, or well, 27th of January, and Ted's the 29th. And he was a head taller. Wow head tall and had like eight teeth and Ted's still got two so he's just and he's fine now he's he's weight's healthy and that kind of stuff and he's growing but he's just tiny so I had to for ages they were like right see pediatricians do extra feeding you need to pump and all that stuff costs money 
all those appointments cost money you and know? stress as well when you yeah. going through that the, yeah I don't know if you're not growing enough and you need to feed them more it's gonna be very very stressful mentally can it yeah I had to triple feed him at the start so I had to breastfeed him and then bottle feed him breast milk and then pump so I had it for the next feed and that almost killed me and after the first two weeks I said to the the nurse if he's not got enough weight the extra feeds are going to be formula because I can't I literally by the time I finished feeding feeding pumping even if mum fed him and then washing everything I'd have to start again it was like three hours and I was just like I can't I can't keep this up I'll, I'll give him formula I don't have I'm I'm a I'm not a new age mom I'm like okay if he wants formula he can have formula if I had a cesarean but and it was my choice I'm not you know for me it was just about him being healthy and what what he needs but luckily he'd gained enough weight by then but then I didn't have enough supply I just couldn't I tried everything for my supply and I'm like nuts so I just mix fed him after six months and after six months I was like no that's it we're just going to go to formula and he just went straight to formula and he was already feeding mostly on bottles anyway and he was fine you know I didn't didn't bother me I was like as long as he's happy and healthy that's all I care about most important thing Hmm. but all those things are expensive the pump is expensive the bottles are expensive the formula is expensive so that's just things that you know everyone's like babies are cheap because they just don't need anything i don't know why that people keep saying babies are cheap i don't know where they get this (laughs) mentality of babies are cheap i mean toddlers compared with when they're older maybe they're going to get more expensive like when they're at daycare that's expensive yeah daycare is expensive but i yeah whether I guess whether I'm single or not I still need to use daycare you know maybe maybe I wouldn't as much but I think it's still it's a nine to five type deal you know everyone uses daycare everyone tells me once they get to school or kinder then you start feeling rich again I'm like okay that's not that far away (laughs) yeah and I think also like but then then I worry about nine to five nine to three what what, after school care before school care you know Mm. You know, what's what, what's that going to look like? You know, and I don't always want to rely on my parents. So how am I going to get that to work? So there's always, there's always a struggle. something to worry about, isn't there? There's always a struggle. Yeah. Well, it's been so wonderful hearing your story and so glad you've got your beautiful Thank little you. teddy now, your little teddy bear. Yeah, my teddy bear. Um, and hopefully we'll see you at some of the Solo Mum Melbourne events coming up soon. Yes. If I'm not working or sleeping, I'll definitely be there. <laughs> Thanks, Dash. I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.